Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. You know, I hate how it fades out now because I feel like it loses comedic effect. I, I, I love the just abrupt stop of the intro, and so I got to figure out like a new way around that. I'll figure that out, folks. But welcome to another edition of Day After Dynamite, because it's Thursday, and you know what that means. It's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite. I'm Will Washington, but I'm not alone here. Folks, I am joined by the one and only Kylie Fuller. Kyler! Ky- Kylie. Kyler. Uh, <laughs> Kylie, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. Yes, and it's funny that overbooker at the bottom is a typo, but it's actually kind of funny. So I'm just going to keep it that way. But welcome to Day After Dynamite. Welcome you to Day After Dynamite. It's Thursday. It's a lot to talk about today. But oddly enough, this is one of those rare times where we're a day removed from Dynamite. And as far as Dynamite's concerned... Nothing but good to talk about. It was all good stuff. I thought it was a great show. I thought Dynamite kind of went off without a hitch. I thought um, Winter is Coming basically lived up to the the previous iterations of such. I thought it had some cool moments. And at the end of the day, people are really excited about future stuff. And that is obviously the thing that like Tony Khan hopes for. Um, you'd ever necessarily want to walk away with Day After Dynamite having uh, something crazy to discuss or having some some scoops i know that those episodes tend to do the best so uh i (laughs) i know that those are good for me but they're not necessarily good for the the environment um now that said there's some news as a whole there there's news kind of all across the the wrestling landscape um we are going to talk a little bit here about uh which i know you got to discuss a little bit this morning um Mm -hmm. uh, talking about a little bit of mandy rose stuff uh i know that doesn't necessarily tie into dynamite other than the fact that of course with anybody released from world wrestling entertainment there's always the question of will tony khan sign them should tony khan sign them are they going to go back who knows um so there's at least that aspect of things to talk about uh also Mercedes rumors continue to persist. She ain't doing anything to shut them down. Uh, Nobody's doing anything to shut them down, which is always the thing to uh, 
that's always what piques me. That's always what gets me going. Hmm. Because I'll tell you, in my experience of trying to get news out of people who know in professional wrestling and specifically in AEW, people in the know really take pride in telling you when you're wrong. <laughs> and that is... Uh, one of the things that we've always taken away from all of that, that when, you're, when you don't have the right information, uh, as Sean mentioned the other day, he, he asked um, somebody in AEW who really prides himself on telling Sean when he's wrong. <laughs> and uh, they aren't giving him an answer at all. Uh, I definitely put out some roundabout questions. I figured, look, I'm not going to necessarily ask... Uh, who it is, because I know I'm never going to get that answer. I, I'm never going to ask uh, if it is this person, because I know I'm not going to get that answer. I know that, look, on an official capacity, no one's going to spoil that for me. But I figured a good way to get around all of that, to at least get some kind of clarity, because that's really what I was looking for, was just clarity here, was I did ask, uh, officially I asked AEW, in an on-the-record capacity, Will it remain a mystery until January 14th of will, or are there any plans to reveal it beforehand? No sold, nothing. I got zero on that. Ooh. And I thought, hmm, won't even answer if it's going to stay a mystery. It's so, it's so that, juicy. <laughs> I know. And it's, or it could be nothing at all because the, that's the beauty of this is that there's all of this speculation right now over what it is, who it is, and we can't get anything. And that makes it more fun. And I feel like the people who know, know that it is just making it more fun mm -hmm. and a little bit crazier. And so. I don't know. I, I mentioned last week that I had somebody in AEW mention to me that they don't think Tony would announce something that far in advance without it being some kind of surprise. And like history has shown that, right? That like AEW has announced a lot of stuff fairly last minute. You know, they'll announce, look, we don't even know what's on Dynamite fully next week and we won't know till Rampage airs. And even sometimes there were two matches for this week's Dynamite that were announced day of. And so they're like, look, Tony's track record is tends to announce things closer to when they happen. And the fact that they announced this match with a month to go uh, is one of those we want people speculating kind of things. So we, we'll see how that ends up. I, I am very curious. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on all of that? I'm so excited by this. I think, you know, a lot of people have speculated maybe it's a returning Thunder Rosa or something like that. But I don't know, just the whole nature of, um, you know, the silence, the silence is deafening, announcing it, you know, a month in advance, really building it up. And, you know, the Mercedes to New Japan news and reports happening at the same time. And the reports New Japan can't afford her, but maybe AEW can afford her. I don't know. I don't, where there's smoke, there's fire. And for me personally, I think I was always... It's, she's not going. She's going back to WWE. But I don't know. I'm starting to get sold on it. Like, there's just too much coincidentally <laughs> happening. You almost you almost sell yourself so much on it that if she did show up at WWE, like, I, and that's the, mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I still don't know. Look, um, obviously we have percentage watch 2022 and my percentage for Sasha to AEW, I tweeted out 60% last week. I'm at still about like 73% right now is where I'm at. Uh, I think next week, Next week is going to be a really big indicator of a lot of things Mm -hmm. um, because if it were to be somebody like Thunder Rosa, next week is when I'd announce that because they're in Thunder Rosa's hometown, right? They're in San Antonio next week. Um, Like I could very well see Jamie retaining her title over Sheeta and then them jumping her and then Soraya and Thunder Rosa coming to make the save and they announce that's the tag partner. Like that's a, a perfect way to play that out. But I feel like if you're going to announce Thunder Rosa, if you're going to give Thunder Rosa a comeback moment, it's that. But there's also stories out there that Thunder Rosa is not going to be ready till February. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't, know, I don't know, but I'm excited. And it's yeah. exciting to be excited about the women's division because, uh, again, there, there's it's it's always cool when that's the talk of the town because obviously that's what gets that's what's under the microscope when it comes to AEW more than anything else and so for it to have the most exciting talk i think is is good times and i think people know again like i said i feel like if it wasn't something special coming up somebody would have shut it down a while ago and uh i have talked to some people who much like sean has uh, they don't know, but they're like, if it is her, God, that's exciting. That's somebody I would want to have on the team. I don't feel like I haven't gotten anything from anybody who was like, uh, uh, that's not somebody I want to work with. And trust me, that happens all the time. If when there's rumors yeah. of somebody signing with the company, um, there have been times where we've gotten some kind of indicator of, oh, them, I I don't know. But like everybody's like, nah, she'd be good. She'd be good here. This is that would be exciting. As far as Mandy's concerned, Mandy is an interesting case. On the one hand, um, like AEW would be an interesting spot for her. Obviously, she has family in AEW with uh, Nyla Rose. But um, also, I'm sorry, I've been waiting to make that joke for like a day. But uh, uh, on the other side of things, the uh, It's interesting, right? Because Mandy Rose was somebody signed to WWE. She was brought in. uh, She she got a main roster spot fairly quickly. And for the most part, she had some pretty solid star power. I think that she got over very quickly. Uh, People really gravitated to her. Um, It was very clear WWE was high on her. They gave her the special entrance with the graphic that made it look like Vaseline was rubbed on your screen. And uh, they they had commentary talk her up, but she felt like she had more developing to do as a performer. She went to NXT and did that developing as a performer for over a year. And then they released her. So if I were looking at it from AEW's perspective, I would be looking at it as, Oh, they just did the hard part for us. Like, essentially, they just developed that talent entirely for us. It's very, it's not unlike Adam Cole in a way, where like Adam Cole was the guy in NXT for well over a year, almost two years. And 
he was basically gift wrapped to AEW. It was like, hey, okay, we spent all the time getting him TV ready, getting him to be a name that matters. Here you go. And in a way, that's kind of what Mandy Rose just did. She literally just had a year-long title reign, third longest title reign in NXT history. Uh, and the, I'd say one of the most important title reigns that NXT's had you could almost say ever just based on the fact that the others all occurred while not on TV. Those were all on the network. Um, I mean, a part of Shayna's was on TV, but most of that occurred on WWE Network. But this is the only long title reign NXT's had like that on WWE television that was on USA Network the entire time. So she got to grow in front of the audience, get known in front of the audience. And now she's been kind of gift wrapped elsewhere. So like in a way, I can see why that would be of interest to Tony Khan. I don't know. What do you think in that regard? No, I definitely agree. And I really like the Adam Cole comparison because I think it's apt because Mandy Rose in NXT became so much more complete of a wrestler in the ring. And as you know, a Mandy Rose character, I think she really found herself in NXT. And I thought before, you know, the news of her release came out, I thought she was getting called up. Mm -hmm. because her send-off everything and i think the mandy rose character if she does stay in wrestling and she does choose to not go back to wwe to go to aw it's so different from anything in aew like of course there's there's beautiful women in aew of course mm -hmm. but there's no one who has that like mandy rose character that you know that style of um, her gear, her promos, everything about her. So I think it'd be really interesting. And I think she would fit in well. I think um, the AW women's division is on an upswing. And I think they've really proven that they have a talent for, you know, training women's wrestlers. There's lots of people getting involved with that. They, uh, Madison Rain, they recently hired her. So I don't know. I think she'd do really well. I don't think she's necessarily in ring the best wrestler or would be the best wrestler in AEW, but there's something special about her and like i said i feel like she really found herself so if i'm tony khan and i can get you know mandy rose at you know uh, pay her you know her salary pay her what she's worth and work out something where she can continue her uh fan site her website and maybe do some other stuff some modeling whatever i think it's a good investment i think fans would be into it i agree um, and like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily one of the people like fully clamoring for Mandy Rose. And I say yeah. that because I don't really watch NXT. So, uh, I can't necessarily say that, but I, I can say that it would be, um, it is one of those gets that even without watching NXT, I can say that they, it, it's worth a look at the very least. No, That's I definitely all. agree. So, anyway, also in the uh, oh, and I want to remind people: don't forget to send us those super chats. Give us those super chats. Send us those super chats. Donate a super chat and humper chats. Let us know what you've got to say around anything happening in the wrestling world, but specifically around things. Uh, all AEW news. We got Caden who said the two besties on the same stream. Amazing. Of course. Um, 
Orion Ben 666 says, all I'm going to say is Will called it on Grapsity when Athena and Tegan spoke up. Back to dad. I mean, <laughs> um, but uh, I knew Andretti was special uh, with the Lance Storm trunks. Um, again, that was just a, a really, really cool moment. Um, and uh, Orion Ben 666 says, I know Will stoked with the Wrestle Kingdom fan news yesterday. Of course, like this is... I'm continuing to feel this whole sense of FOMO. I've talked about this before, about how uh, I was supposed to go to Wrestle Kingdom 2021. That obviously couldn't happen because of uh, restrictions and things along those Mm -hmm. lines. And so I obviously didn't plan to go to Wrestle Kingdom 2022 because those same restrictions were happening. And I wasn't sure about Wrestle Kingdom 2023 and so I didn't make any plans to do so. But now all of these things keep getting announced for it that are like, why didn't I make the plan? I'm like, Kenny's return to New Japan? Are you kidding me? I should be there for that. And I'm not going to be there for that. Uh, and just thinking about, but I thought, you know what? Well, fans even going to get to cheer anyway, like, you know, I, I tend to treat wrestling like a freaking party when I'm there. Oh, yeah. Fans get to cheer. <laughs> and so I'm just feeling like I am missing out on so much uh, being a part of Wrestle Kingdom. And I will be watching it at three in the morning. But uh, nonetheless, I, again, just, but on the other hand, as Brian Alvarez talked about, what's more noteworthy is who's not on the Wrestle Kingdom card because uh, giving up Kenny and FTR on a Wednesday probably came with some concessions or what some people are thinking. And uh, so some are wondering who New Japan gave up in exchange for them and looking at who's not on the card, um, for example, Tanahashi's not on the card. And uh, that could, that could be something. Or wait, Tanahashi is on the card, isn't he? Tanahashi is on the card. Um, Did he he get booked in like a multi-man tag or something? Yeah, he's in a multi-man tag. So he is on the card. So who wasn't on the card specifically? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because, yeah, I just remember that. That got announced this morning. So either way, there's a question, though, of who's not on the card. And based on who's not on the card, um, some are wondering if they're sending anybody in the direction of uh, AEW to maybe give... Because, of course, the reason this is important is because it's the big January 4th Dynamite in Seattle. It's the first time in Seattle that show is, of course, going to feature uh, or center around Brian Danielson, right? Like, that's his hometown. This is the first show that they've done in Seattle. And you really have to showcase Brian Danielson and Darby Allen. Like, those are the guys you would want to showcase on that show. What kind of opponents would you give them, though? Like, you, you sent Kenny off. Uh, you sent FTR off. Oh. What would you Shingo, do? Shingo, maybe? 
if Shingo's not booked. I mean, Aussie Open not winning uh, Tag League, that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if the Young Bucks are traveling with Kenny to this big match because that's like a New Japan thing that they do. Right. But Aussie Open, I feel like they Shingo? have to be in Kenny's corner for this match. I feel like you can't. Feel- you you can't. If they don't, it's a missed opportunity. I'll say that. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, on a Wednesday, like at the end of the day, like Tony still has to keep his, um, uh, his, he has to keep dynamite, uh, Mm -hmm. going and he has to keep his talent. I, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. I would like to see, and it's not so much new Japan, but I would like to see maybe some Joshi talent, some stardom talent. I think that would be fun. Um, I don't necessarily know who they would send over, but I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. Um, The New Japan roster, though, I think a lot of Forbidden Door was getting people familiar with, you know, a lot of the lower card guys. Uh, You know, of course, they had that big four-way, but I don't know. I think you could do a whole lot with it. There's so many people, not just in New Japan, but New Japan Strong, that I think would do really well on an AW show. Uh, oh, yeah. just, just for fun. Like, it doesn't have to be anything serious here. Like, we could just book for fun. Um, I don't know. It's a good way to start the new year, though. I agree. Uh, and Jennifer's asking, Zack Sabre Jr., is he booked? Uh, he is booked. He is on the card. Uh, so I think Wrestle Kingdom Night 2, I would bet, is Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. That is my... We were supposed to get that match at Forbidden Door, and I, yeah. I, I would wager that on Night 2 is when we see uh brian have the match he was after they they have to and it's like you know all these guys brian danielson kenny omega so on they keep dropping these little things like they're ready to slow down maybe like pace their career more and i'm like you can't we got dream matches to get through (laughs) like we we can't slow down yet we got to start ticking them off and that's definitely one we need oh yeah uh, we got a couple of Humper Chats. This one here is from Raymundo. It says, for dad. That's me. Um, it says, uh, super cool to see everyone calling us a great crowd. Uh, the first time AEW came here, we chanted Cody's partner to QT Marshall until he won us over. And uh, we started chanting his name. Much love, Will. I remember that. Uh, and... Yeah, just that that first Dallas show was was interesting the first time. Uh, this was, if I remember correctly, uh, this is the fourth time. No, the fifth. This was the fifth time that uh, AEW's run the Curtis Colwell Center in mm-hmm. Garland, Texas, because uh, they ran it 2019. I remember it was December of 2019. They ran it in July of 2021. Then they also ran it again in December of 2021 because it had the last winter is coming. Uh, They had a Battle of the Belts there earlier this year. That was the one before Easter um, because that was the one where uh, Hangman beat Adam Cole with the the barbed wire crown and everybody got upset. Uh, (laughs) And then this one... um, and so that's the five that AEW have run there. And then also, I guess, technically, Tony Khan has run six there because yeah. Supercard of Honor was also in that building. And then I remember that because I was there. Uh, it's the only time I've been in that arena. Uh, so that 
uh, it's it's a very special arena as far as AEW is concerned. I believe um, that's one of the ones they've run the most. Uh, not the most, because that would still be Now Arena. I think they've done eight events at Now Arena in Chicago, um, which is wild to think about the fact yeah. that uh, <laughs> as I was doing some mental counting, I was like, off the top of my head, unless I'm missing one, I, th- I was like pretty sure they've run Chicago 14 times. And for a company that's only been in business three years, and one of those years was spent entirely in Jacksonville... <laughs> They've literally run 14 events out of Chicago. And by the way, I'm not double counting because somebody because I posted that to Twitter Mm -hmm. and I saw somebody ask me, they're like, well, are you counting like Dynamite Rampage, like the the two shows in there? I'm like, no, they've literally just run 14. Like I'm counting standalone rampages because those are individual events. But if it's just been a Dynamite Rampage, no, I didn't count that as two. Literally been there 14 times, Chicago. Uh, So it's been eight, eight in our arena. Two in United Center, because it was be Forbidden Door in the first dance, and then uh, four from Wintrust Arena. Fourteen events. That's, I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. The Chicago crowd loves AEW. I guess Texas loves AEW too, because yeah. you know, looking forward into you know twenty twenty three, they're running Texas venues so many times. Yes. Uh, now Texas, I will say that they're pr- fairly far apart, right? Because they're running yeah. El Paso and they're running. Um, Laredo, uh, yeah. and those aren't necessarily um, close, and they're they're avoiding the big ones that they've run before. Like they're not doing San Antonio again; uh, they're doing that next week. But they're not running Houston again, and uh, and all that. Although Houston's been a really great crowd. That's the thing about these Texas crowds. Um, AEW has done a really good job of like rewriting the narrative around certain crowds because mm-hmm. I know that uh, if you talk to people from Texas who went to WWE shows for the longest time. One of the things they'd always say is, oh my God, Houston is always such a dead crowd. Mm-hmm. First time AEW ran Houston, they were off the charts. That's yeah. the crowd that sang Jericho's theme song without background music. Like that in itself is uh, an astonishing thing. And I still think one of the best crowd moments they've had. Uh, but when you think about other crowds like uh you know corpus christi was really bad for aw and they haven't been back to corpus christi like that was that was that uh show that everybody was like all right it's over the dream is over aw is canceled that one show in corpus christi with the the phantom punches on dustin um and everybody was convinced that they're no longer that this is no longer working for them as a company uh and but other than that this garland crowd was freaking phenomenal and so good uh almost from the start the show began with first off playing around ball rock <laughs> i have to say i'm so glad the meme came to life uh as soon as they announced the best of seven series of course multiple people online started comparing it to of course nba finals things along those lines and making video packages that contained round ball rock Round Ball Rock is really special to a lot of people. Are you a basketball fan, Kylie? Yes. Perfect. So you understand the significance of Round Ball Rock as a song for those that don't. That was the NBA on NBC song. Probably wondering if you're on the younger side, like our friend Caden, for example. uh, Why does the network in which basketball played even matter i'll tell you why because 
That song came about 1990. Through the 90s, we had a star by the name of Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan's entire run with the Bulls, not entire, but the... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer... A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. The run, the, the portion of the run that mattered, the portion of the run that saw six NBA championships won, all took place during the NBA on NBC era. So the people who grew up under Michael Jordan era basketball, under Charles Barkley era basketball, um, early Shaq, things along those lines, all of those stars that we grew up with in the 90s, that song was the backdrop to it. So mentally, we associate that era of basketball with that song. Um, And literally, not going to play it here because I'm not going to get the channel flagged, but that song has been my ringtone since songs could ha- or since ringtones were available on phones it still to this day is anybody calls me now granted i mostly keep my phone on vibrate but on the rare times it's not on vibrate it's gonna play anyway that's that's my song so of course anybody who gets a chance to use that song gonna give props to i can't believe they secured the rights to that song i know uh, and it's it's so funny because of the fact that John Tesh retained ownership of that song, so he can license it to whoever, um, which has always been kind of an annoying thing to me that like when the NBA left NBC in 2002, I believe it was, um, anybody else could have picked it up, but they all wanted their own identity and their own songs. ABC, who's had the NBA since 2002, has still yet to come up with a song that anybody cares about. Um, I remember they had like one year they had the Pussycat Dolls doing right now. And it was like, that is not going to, it's not going to work. That is not the NBA. Um, I'd say TNT has some a song that's fairly special that um, people, uh, it's like, as long as you have a catchy melody, people know it. Uh, but no one has been able to capture the magic of Round Ball Rock, the NBA on NBC. But it is funny that NBC doesn't own that music because NBC, owned by Comcast, 
um, owned by NBC Universal, of course. NBC Universal also owns USA Network, the network that WWE is in bed with. So it is just kind of funny that AEW was the ones to get the rights to use Round Ball Rock for pro wrestling when that could have been used by WWE a million times over because they have closer ties to it. I just think that's all really funny. But ultimately, that intro playing in the background of while they're going over the card for the show is great stuff. It was so good. They they had put that video on Twitter, the Dynamite like video package. And I was like, that's really cool. They licensed it for this video package. And then we turned on Dynamite. And, oh, they licensed it for the whole show. <laughs> I, so I was good. all smiles when that was playing. And uh, I, I I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, it's I know there are people who don't get it and are like, "Why are you playing the basketball song with with these guys?" Because why the fuck not? Like, are you kidding me? I have to tell you, there is some joy I got out of uh, the opening minutes of AEW Dynamite this week. That it plays the Dynamite intro, and then they start playing Round Ball Rock. And then right out of Round Ball Rock, we go into Carry On Wayward Son. And like, it's just like, the first five minutes of the show is just like recognizable music. And that is just kind of an odd thing for my brain to even compute. But I will say the moment Carry On hit, huge pop. And I immediately knew, because like last week's crowd, last week's crowd in Austin, Texas was very good. I'd say, somebody asked me on Twitter who, my, who I'd say the top five AEW crowds are. And I said, in no order, I said it was Austin, Dallas, Chicago, Boston, and Philadelphia. And I was like, and really it's because they've gotten the most shows and they've been the most consistent crowd. Like obviously there's been yeah. one-offs, like Detroit was really good, LA was really good. Um, I was there in uh, New, Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana, and they were really good. Um, but like I, I was going with the ones that they've been to consistently who consistently show up for them as a crowd. Uh, but this crowd here was just off the charts. Great. And, uh, I feel like AEW has got to sell that more. I feel like if I were promoting AEW live events, if I were doing like the ads that say come to the shows. Mm -hmm. The piece of it I would be selling. I would make a little 30-second ad each show, running it just reminding the fans that when you come to an AEW show, you help make the show. And like I kind of show a montage of all the times where the fans changed the course of a show, where the fans helped dictate the show, you know, as little as this week, right? Showing off yeah. Action Andretti. Uh, all of a sudden, the, the crowd reaction him getting made the moment. Or last week, Ricky Starks, the reaction he got was making his moment. And the times where it was the crowd that made the moment, um, you know, if you're willing to show crying CM Punk guy, like little things like that, I would show kind of a montage of like, when you're here, you help make the show what it is. Uh, and that's, I almost sell that as like, hey, this is what AEW, this is what sets AEW apart. That's what I would do personally if I were marketing that. Yeah, I would too, because, you know, granted, I haven't been to a WWE show in a few years, but I did go when SmackDown was really at its peak right before it went to Fox. It was good. It was the A show, whatever. Um, and there's something special about AW crowds. Like 
there's so much more, a lot of people are just so much more emotionally invested in mm -hmm. everything that's happening on the show. They're so excited. And I've been um, at a few shows where I've sat near people with, where it's the first AW show and they're so excited to be there. And as AW goes into these new markets where maybe they haven't been there before, or it's been a while, um, especially on the West coast where they have barely even scratched the surface. Um, I think they really do need to stress that, that this is like, Fans are a big, big part of the presentation, but also like your fan experience is going to be so, you know, entertaining at AW show just because everyone is so into it. Yeah, well, you know, and it's funny, too, because they're going to be here in Denver in two weeks and mm -hmm. uh, there's two matches announced for that show already. Well, one, if it gets to that and it will. And we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, there's they're coming here to Denver and. Uh, I had talked to um, somebody in AEW about this, and we were talking about the the ticket sales for that event because, of course, it's it's been a big topic that AEW ticket sales for a lot of these places that they've run multiple times have been down, um, and that's just a fact, especially in the Northeast. Uh, but some of them are up, like uh, Denver, which, granted, Denver hasn't gotten a show since March fourth, twenty twenty. Uh, and so, you know, right before the pandemic, I was at that show, uh, and I believe that show did, I know I, I was tracking it up until the day of, and I know it was really struggling to hit like 3000 people. And I think the observer had reported it got somewhere around like 3,200 by the time everything was done. So it got there, but I know just now with two weeks to go, it's over 3,700 and it's like vastly approaching 4,000. So like, that's, that's a big difference for a 5,000 seat venue. Um, and they're probably going to hit it. So, yeah. um, uh, as far as that event is concerned, good for that. Um, and yeah, it's just it's some, some interesting stuff going on with, with the events coming up. But again, this crowd here was off the charts. The moment uh, the Elite's music hit, just that pop they got was just a reminder of how much of a difference they make. And they were into this match. And again, as I've said, as I talk about all of the other uh, best of seven matches in this series, I knew... Like my concern, of course, when seven matches were announced are, how do you avoid having the same seven matches? Yeah. And then I thought, if there's anybody I trust to do the, to not have the same matches, it's the Elite in Death Triangle. When I think about the fact that the Lucha Bros and the uh, Young Bucks have had just an AEW. Four matches in AEW? Um, and... They, none of them have been the same at all. Yeah. They had that first match at Double or Nothing 2019. They had the second one at All Out, the ladder match. Uh, they had the third one in the cage, and then they had the fourth one uh, on that rampage in Ontario. None of them the same at all. And uh, so, yeah, I trusted these guys to do something different each time. And it's interesting because uh, I just tweeted this earlier, but one of the big critiques I saw going into this is uh, – uh, it's just matches. It's, it's just They just announced seven matches. Where's the story? But the story has been in the matches themselves. Yeah. And uh, and not even like in a subtle, you have to be paying attention way. I feel this is the most on-the-nose story you could possibly be throwing out. It's literally playing out in these matches in the least subtle way possible. And uh, 
you don't even entirely have to be paying attention to understand what's been going on in this storyline. But like, it's not a story that, because I think people associate story with in the ring promos with backstage segments, things along those lines, and not necessarily mm-hmm. um, the storytelling just within the in ring action. And these matches have had it. Uh, I'm a big fan of these matches. Me too. Um, the third one, third one was cool. Uh, it wasn't as exciting as the first two, but they decided to add an element of drama to this one, which saw Nick Jackson early on in the match get hurt. Uh, in order to tell the story of this being a three-on-two situation. Uh, And Nick returned to the match, but that ended up being what cost them the match. What did you think of this? I really loved this. I think a lot of people still, you know, perpetuate this narrative that the Young Bucks can't act, that they can't (laughs) tell stories, that they're just super kicks and moonsaults and all this stuff. But for, you know, for a long time, I until I saw Brandon Cutler spray his ankle with the cold spray, I did think that Nick Jackson was legitimately injured. And the way that Matt Jackson responded to this, like that, you know, just look of concern, the tag me in, tag me in, I believed it. And I do think it added that little bit of drama that it needed to really separate this match from the rest. And then, of course, it was this injury that ties back in the hammer and the triangle fighting over this hammer nonstop for this entire thing and which you know the stipulations then become important and i love that i this is probably going all seven i don't see any situation where this doesn't go all seven but i love that the escalera de la muerte is the last one which is you know so important for the young bucks because they swore they'd never do it again and it really goes back to this NBA best of seven, Young Bucks, <laughs> the basketball fans, the all or nothing energy of it. I think I'm so into this best of seven. Well, this wouldn't be. Well, oh, Washington! Oh, you got to put yourself in the middle. It's not right. I, there I, we I go. <laughs> I'm fixing it. There we go. I was, wait, I was waiting for Kylie to finish. I would not interrupt the great Kylie Fuller, who was all over the channel today. She, she was yeah, on the this morning. And now she's here. And I was gonna gonna let her, especially talking about the elite. Like I, I might interrupt you talking about something else, but the elite, you'll beat the shit out of me for interrupting you talking about that. So I didn't want that. <laughs> so <smoke>. true. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, I was Will? gonna say you guys just got to inter- interact this morning. So like, I was actually wondering if you were even gonna drop in. Well, I had I had dad things to do earlier around three o'clock when you usually start this show. So I had to, I had to pick up the kids. So I'm here now, oh. though. You know, I was doing dad things during dad, and now I'm on dad. And we yeah. interviewed Dan the dad on the spot. You did. Look how we bring it dad all around. <laughs> Where are you? This isn't your normal spot. Uh, I'm it, it's it's hectic here at the Lambert household. Uh, <laughs> so I'm actually I've, I've I've changed locations to a secret base uh, in in the household. I'm actually just in one of the kids' rooms, hiding out from all the madness. Uh, now there's a lot going on here, so I had to I had to find a quiet spot because other stuff has been overtaken right now. Ah, uh, okay, fine. I I was like, did you find a new backdrop? Are you being held <laughs> captive? Uh, is this a Never ransom know. video? Yeah. <laughs> like blink blink twice blink three times if i if i need to escape yes it's a uh, it's again it's, it's it's hectic around here so i had to find a quiet place hopefully it's quiet enough. i don't have my usual microphone if my audio sounds terrible i have to use my fine. just computer mic so it's it's hectic but I, I had to say hi especially once i saw you at kylie on 
she's my favorite person. Her and Haley are my two favorite people on Overbook. I'd fire everybody else just and give them the entire channel if I had the choice. You said it. I mean, (laughs) Jeremy, you have the choice. What are you talking about? This is. I I don't know what goes on. I don't know what goes on on my own channel. Will Washington? I have no idea. People are just like, I'm going to do a show at this time. I'm like, all right, sure, go for it. That's why I tell, I tell. Kylie and Haley all the time. I was like, if you want, whenever you want to do a show, just like go ahead, just give me a heads up and like, all right, you're more than welcome to do it. I don't know. That's how this show came to be. I literally just went to Jeremy and was like, hey, I want to talk about Dynamite on the day after, and I think Dad would be a funny title. And and I said, you're Will Washington. You can do whatever the hell you want. Yes, that's that's what we're gonna do. And then Sean was like, why aren't you doing this on Main Fightful? And here we are. I gotta fight Sean for poaching you. And Tag Talk's getting the call up next. That, that's what's getting called up next, hopefully, once, uh, you know, overbooked. We, we need more main roster call-ups, and Tag Talk's the next to get the call-up. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to interrupt the Dynamite review any longer. Usually I come on the, the, uh, the, uh, the beginning, so that way I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm interrupting too much. But no, you guys are rolling, so I had to say hi. Hi, everybody. Kylie, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, thank you for, again, always everything you do, you and Haley. Do, with do you feel better, by the way? Because the Avs won uh, the other day. So We're getting Tuesday. healthy. That's good. We're getting healthy. McKinnon's still out for a while. Landis Cog's still out. But we're getting healthy. I feel a little bit better. I feel a little bit better, Will. I'm still going to come out there and try out for the team. I feel like I can still make it. <laughs> yeah, There's Haley. Do. Haley's in the chat. Hi, Haley. All right. Um, I'm out of here. Enjoy Dynamite. Enjoy talking about Dynamite. Hope everyone enjoyed Dynamite last night. Bye, Will Washington. Have a good weekend, (laughs) Will. Bye, Kylie. Bye. It's Thursday. Have a good weekend. He's just not anticipating talking to me before then. Whatever. Jeremy Lombert, everybody. (laughs) That's that's the old Jeremy Lombert. We got a couple of super chats. Uh, Roland says could be shibata versus danielson on dynamite for seattle to keep the wrestle kingdom feel that'd be cool um i'd be into it there there are options um pablo crow says greetings dad maybe don Callis is recruiting to keshita to sub in for an injured nick jackson the next couple of weeks that'd be cool too i i have been wondering where is the story going with uh don Callis trying to recruit uh Kanosuke Takeshita I have no idea where that's going at all I don't uh, either I don't trust Don Callis that's for sure yeah what's he up to what is he up I don't to? Know. Jay says round ball rock reminds me of a time when my Knicks were good I'm telling you it, it's it, it just it takes us all back to a different yeah. basketball time Luis says need an elite NBA jam mini game on fight forever I know it's almost too late for that uh but who knows you know what had another marketing idea for AEW, by the way god just pay me for this you're genius but i was thinking about how uh and and i want to know what the chat thinks should be the song but i was thinking about the other day it was announced that uh sonic frontier um 
has sold two and a half million copies, which is like one of the best selling Sonic games in a long time. Sonic franchise is actually kind of on fire, right? It's got mm-hmm. movies that are actually critically acclaimed. They have a show on Netflix that's actually really good, apparently. And the games are doing really well. Like, it's a good time to be a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. But particularly, the game has sold really well. And I kind of attributed that to um, the marketing campaign and specifically using Don't Stop Me by Queen um, as a song. And then I started thinking about times where video games have licensed popular earworms that have caused the game to sell a bunch. Uh, two examples I think of are the first Gears of War. Nobody knew about that game before the um, Mad World ad, Gary Jules. As soon as that version of the song was on that commercial, I know people who only know that song because of Gears of War. When they even did the, uh, uh, when they announced the remaster of Gears of War and they played Mad World, the room lost it because it was like, oh shit, it's Gears of War. That's a song that people for the longest time associated with Donnie Darko. And now it's like, no, actually it's a song we associate with Gears of War. Sold a bunch of copies. Also, Lost Odyssey was a game that was completely unknown. Nobody knew about Lost Odyssey. Um, and it was like, oh, it's from the creator. Final Fantasy could be pretty good. But then the advertising campaign used White Rabbit, Jefferson Airplane. And uh, again, the game sold over a million copies. And I think that was a little bit of the difference. So then I started thinking, AEW Fight Forever. And I started thinking about how much Tony Khan loves licensing music. And I thought to myself... For a game that is supposed to be a throwback to wrestling games from the early 2000s, what song would you license to market the game in a way where you capture the feel of the early 2000s, but also uh, sell to wrestling fans? So, of course, my brain instantly goes to uh, My Way Limp Biscuit, but I'm like, nah, two on the <laughs> nose. WWE fans would hate that because they're like, eh, hey, you're stealing our thing. So I'm trying to think of what would be the right song. Like, there's a piece of me that's like, use um, Annie Up by MOP. Like, that's a good one. Like, what song from 2000s, from the early 2000s would you use to represent what era this game is supposed to represent that is catchy enough to stick with people and uh, get their attention to want to buy the game i don't know but i think that's something they have to do um and uh i'm curious what the chat thinks uh because i see whoa by black rob that's a good option yeah. i like that one um it, but either way there's a freebie as far as <laughs> ideas are concerned i mean click click boom by saliva that's a good one yeah uh, that's there, there are Creed. options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, Not anything but Creed. There, there's options. I just feel like it's got to be something catchy enough to make people, like I said, that Don't Stop Me Now commercial, mm-hmm. I think, did enough to get people's attention to make them think about wanting to buy Sonic the Hedgehog in a way where, look, man, Sonic games have not sold in, uh, what, I mean, I, the last game to sell 2.5 million copies in the Sonic franchise, pretty sure it came out 12 years ago. So, I don't know. It made Sonic cool. It did. Which is weird, because, like, Queen. And, like, I don't know. <laughs> People love Queen nowadays. I know. Pe- really into it. People do. Lo- yeah, that's true. I, I think, 
Oh yeah, I forgot. Don't stop me now. Had like a, a good TikTok run for a little bit, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Sorry, this millennial here <laughs> quite uh, can't can't jive with all these damn Gen Zers. Uh, but uh, let's see. We've got a uh, super chat. Caden says, "Did they show me on TV again? Did they? I, I got Caden last week for sure." Uh, and I, I caught Caden both during Dynamite and Rampage, but I did not catch Caden during Dynamite last week. So, if if you were Caden, I didn't see you, but I'll go back and look just for you. Yes. Um, I didn't get to give Dynamite like that kind of second look over. So all of this mm -hmm. is is freshly this week kind of stuff, um, or just it's all from first watch but again i was like really into it on first watch so mm -hmm. uh anyway so we talked about the elite lost due to hammer to the to the leg what does this all mean it means that next week we get no disqualification because the elite are now down three one it's gonna i be knew they were gonna do that i knew they were gonna do the yeah room. <laughs> the, they have to they can't help themselves <laughs> I, I know um, Death Triangle blew a 3-1 lead like we I knew they couldn't help themselves I smiled at that as soon as they went down 3-1 I'm like okay we know where this yeah. is going uh, but again this is going to be exciting I'm also really excited because uh, I had to tell my wife yesterday so Last event she went to with me, because I've been to a lot of events. I think by my count, been to 19 events this year uh, in 2022. But this last time she went to an event with me was Double or Nothing this year. Anarchy in the arena. She literally had Matt Menard's blood spilled on her foot. Um, and when she went to the bathroom to wash up, she comes out and they're brawling right in front of her, in front of the stall. Like you can see her, uh, there's a shot, um, and I, I forget who it is uh, during the match itself, but there's a brawl taking place in the lobby. You see somebody open a bathroom door and <laughs> you only like catch their feet, but it literally is my wife coming out of the bathroom to like, holy shit, they're brawling out here now. Uh, and so I said all that to say that, of course, the next event she's going to with me is dynamite in two weeks and they announce falls count anywhere for this match she's a magnet for trouble <laughs> I know. i'm like oh i hope they come our way and we are on the floor for this show so uh <laughs> someone, someone needs to okay listen someone needs to make it happen they need to they need to like send your wife's picture like look you have to go in front of this woman you just have to it has to be a yeah. thing now of course, yeah, and uh, that's I love that's that. That's how it happened. Uh, and Coffee with Colin says, here for Kylie, nice shirt, Will. Thank you. It's honey by Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's, I don't know. 
<laughs> you know it's always going to be a Mariah Carey shirt. I got a number of Mariah shirts for my birthday this year. Um, and they're all too big because, as people know, if they follow Grapsity, I lost a bunch of weight. And mm-hmm. so um, these are all extra larges, so they're all, like, really loose on me. But they're nice, loungy shirts now. I was going to return them and get... That's the thing now. Gen yeah. Z, they're all buying pants, like, 10 sizes too big. It's the thing Which was now. funny because we millennials did that all back in the 90s and 2000s. And then... People older than us were like, oh, you guys in your baggy pants. And, uh, you know, you guys look like a genie with those pants on. And then um, they're like, all right, fine, we'll start wearing pants that fit. And then all of a sudden, Gen Z is like, actually, it's kind of comfy. I get why you guys did this. So it all goes around and comes back around, whatever. (laughs) Uh, That said, though, yeah, I'm excited (laughs) for uh, for my wife to get to experience this again i told her this morning i was like yeah i remember how there was a big brawl in the crowd anarchy in the arena i can't guarantee you that won't happen again now with false count anywhere uh but at the same time you know what it got me thinking about hmm. if anybody knows the elite it's you yeah uh the elite have have done this before specifically the young bucks had a really, really great false count anywhere match at Daly's place with the Butcher and the Blade. And uh, it ended with a spot that stayed in the Dynamite intro for months of the, them doing the moonsaults off of the uh, the tunnels um, yeah. onto Butcher and the Blade uh, on the tables. They know how to, to pull this stuff off. It's usually Jerry Lynn who puts this stuff together. He's very good at it. I was also thinking about... Um, Jericho and Sammy versus Matt Hardy and um, and Kenny Omega, the match that um, had the famous golf cart spot. <laughs> they know how to put this kind of stuff together, so I know it's going to be a blast to be a part of, and I'm going to be there. That's great stuff. Uh, so this show did a really good job, I thought, building to the main event. Uh, and I say that because the main event um being the world title match they made sure that we heard from and saw the challenger and the champion multiple times throughout the show we had a promo from mjf um where he basically got to do what a heel does which is uh give a rebuttal to everything ricky said last week except ricky's not there to confront it this time uh that's that's genuinely uh, Generally how a, a good heel should operate. And I thought yeah. MJF was actually very good here and reminded me why he's world champion. Um, but later in the show, we had Ricky Starks, who also had a good comeback. And he was really great and reminded us that he should be a champion. And he will be at some point. Although, you know, Tony Khan. He has a thing that I've noticed over time. Which is that Tony is not one for... First time title wins. There's very few people in AEW who have had them. Um, and usually it's just because the opportunity called for it. But mm-hmm. most of his guys, kind of across the board, lost their first opportunity at the title uh, to, and then got it upon another one. And literally, you look at the most recent ones of uh, Tony Storm had to have two shots at the belt. She had the one at Forbidden Door before she wanted it all out. You had Jamie Hayter had a shot at Thunder Rosa um, at Battle of the Belts and then also won the title 
uh, second time around. Hikaru Shida had a title shot before she actually won it. Nyla Rose had a title shot yep. at uh, on the first Dynamite before she actually won it. Um, and that's just in the women's division. In the men's side of things, MJF um, challenged Moxley twice. Uh, yep. And so it's one of those, like, almost everybody has a title lost to their um, record before they go after it another time. And so it, yeah, Acclaimed is another one as they're bringing up in the chat. Acclaimed lost. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> that, that's another one. So it's one of those, doesn't, it didn't surprise me, of course. It didn't surprise anybody that Ricky Starks lost. Yeah. But uh, either way, I, I still feel like the crowd helped hype this one in the best way possible. Also backstage, Chris Jericho talked about losing the world title. And uh, winning the world title. Sorry, just got a text from Denise. But um, <laughs> uh, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Thank you, Denise, <laughs> for the distraction. What the hell was I just talking about? Chris Jericho. Jericho, backstage. Yeah. Jericho was backstage and, uh, you know, he talked about losing the ROH world title and that he was going to uh, take his frustrations out on this jobber out there and told Daniel Garcia that um, he's going to start shadowing his uh, <laughs> Sammy. I uh, love that. Shower, yeah. So there's, we got a lot of good stuff out of that. A lot of stuff yeah. kind of cooked out of this. Like one Jericho also name dropped Ricky Starks and immediately my brain went, Sorry, it's a group text with Sean and Denise, so they're literally talking to each other, just like distracting me. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, I have a three-way group text with those two. Thank you, Sean and Denise. In case you're wondering why my phone keeps vibrating, laughing emoji from Denise Salcedo. Hell, see, you could see these guys anyway. Um, and <laughs> uh, so again, I'm interested here. Ricky Starks, Chris Jericho has been kind of a gatekeeper in terms of getting people to the uh, the next step of um, their careers, whoever it is. And granted, some people hate that. Some people are like, oh, Chris Jericho holds on to people for too long. Like he feuded with MJF for a year. Um, the Eddie Kingston feud basically became the BCC feud. And in that sense, that's still going. And that started last year or late last year. Uh, and here now we're at, um, we're here with these guys and some people are thinking that if he did drop Ricky Starks intentionally here, how long will that last? Look, I think Chris Jericho is the right guy for, uh, I think he's the right guy for Ricky Starks. I think Chris Jericho is, has been tremendous in the ring this year. If they can do a solid program that ends that revolution, I'm in. Yeah. I do not still want to be talking about Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho at All Out. That's all I ask, <laughs> please. I don't know. I think I'm kind of into it. And I've always been someone who's been critical of Jericho because mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff he's done has gone on long. And I'm not really a fan of that because, you know, you need distance. But uh, Jericho, after losing this match on Dynamite to the jobber, uh, he's there's kind of an edge to him now like he's mad about it and he's like 
um, he's having his own individual story that isn't just, I'm the champion, I'm the best, you know, buy my champagne. Now he's like, there's something different about him and something about Ricky being this like, this kid with the chip on his shoulder. I think the MJF feud made him. I think that promo is an all-timer. I think we'll be talking about that Ricky Starks promo five years from now is like the moment the world champ became the world champ. Like that was incredible to me. Uh, I don't know. There's something like different about the dynamic this time for Ricky and this Chris Jericho versus MJF and Jericho or Eddie and Jericho or um, even Mox and Jericho way back in AEW. So there's something different here. Jericho's so different. And I think Ricky's different and I I'm kind of into it. There's like sort of a violent element to it that they're both just so mad that they didn't get what they wanted. And I feel like this is a program Jericho or not Jericho Ricky needs Ricky hasn't necessarily had that kind of um, headliner level program and I think he's ready for that and that's what I would like to see him do next and uh, that's it that's what I want to see so I think Jericho is the right person for him I think that I hope that's where they go before we got to that though Brian Cage took on Jungle Boy not a whole lot to this match Um, Brian Cage is really on uh, a really great run Sean's been big up on um, Brian Cage, I am too. I think that um, mm-hmm. Brian wasn't necessarily bad during the pandemic run, but it just felt like as soon as they went on the road, it was just in a way where, or he was just in a place of, there were so many other guys ahead of him that nobody really cared about Brian Cage. And so he sat on the sidelines for a while. Um, but I feel like he's starting to figure that out again and he's starting to be where he needs to be. Um, Brian Cage and Jungle Boy went one-on-one. I think there was some momentum that needed to be kept up from Jungle Boy after beating Luchasaurus that hasn't been. So yeah. I was happy to see him back in the ring there. Uh, and Jungle Boy won. I thought it was uh, a good match. I really enjoyed it. And I think, like you said, Brian Cage is really finding himself again. I think he really got overshadowed by Wardlow. Um, Wardlow, you know, fans were getting behind Wardlow at the same time. They were kind of forgetting about Brian Cage. But I don't know. This new, the faction he's in, I think it really suits him. I think he's wrestling better than he did before. I, I don't know if he's been training. I don't know if he's just been holding himself back. I don't know what it is. But I really liked this, and I really like Jungle Boy. I like Jungle Boy as a singles wrestler. I think this is just kind of a first thing for Brian Cage. I think that, yeah. like, the thing that we didn't kind of get from Brian Cage before is that Brian Cage, like, granted, he's worked um, he's worked Lucha shows and things along those lines, and, of course, he was a part of Lucha Underground. He's part of Impact, all of that. Brian Cage, this is kind of his first exposure to, like, TV crowds in a way, where he's getting to work live TV crowds that he hasn't gotten to work necessarily before. And, um, you know, he signed with AEW. He signed before the pandemic, but he didn't get the debut until after the pandemic began. So he was in Daly's place for so long. And I think he was a little more in his element there, but I think when they went on the road, he hadn't quite gotten where he is now. And now that they've been on the road for a year and a half, and he's back on the road with them. I think we are seeing a little bit more of Brian Cage of what he, the potential he kind of always had and just working more for the crowd now that he has so much of it to work with. Uh, Matthew Makovsky says, Will, do you have a percentage for Sasha at Wrestle Kingdom 17? Uh, like 95. Um, yeah. Like, and the 5% is the plane is stalled or something. But um, I think that uh, she's going to be there. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm 
fully behind Dave's report. I fully believe it that uh, that it was not booked through WWE. That this is her being booked independently. The fact that Sasha keeps counting down to something come January first. Um, and I think come January 1st, the thing we see is her removed from the WWE roster page. Um, and keep refreshing that page, folks, because that's, <laughs> that's what I think the countdown's about to be. Yeah, I think New Japan would have denied it by now if there wasn't anything to it. Yeah. So, so uh, that that's my percentage on that. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> and thank you for bringing it to my attention because I didn't see that I had missed that. Uh See, and Pablo says, uh, will Daniel Garcia leave JAS part two? Um, I think Sammy Guevara is a good catalyst for that. That's what I'll say. After this match is over, by the way, Jungle Boy calls out Big Bill. And uh, look, I like the name. All right. As a fellow William, I will say that obviously we have, there's a lot of nicknames we can go with. The problem with using W as a shorter name is that W is a three-syllable letter and therefore never shortens anything. You are never shorter when, if people try to say my initials, for example, WW, six syllables, right? Whereas Will Washington, four. It takes you less time to just say my name than it would to say my initials. And so like when you're dealing with W Morrissey, again, six syllables. It's not a name that works for anybody. Big Bill? Yeah, I like Big Bill. No, are you kidding me? I fall in on Big Bill. I love it. I love it. Look, he was big cast before. He's a big dude. And like, um, of course, there's a piece of me that's just hoping that if he gets over enough in this role that uh, I, I tweeted this, but I think about the Bill Nye the Science Guy intro. I just want the crowd chanting, Bill, 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 Bill. Bill, and then I want the theme song, whatever his theme song, to have like a space in it for the crowd to chant, Bill, Bill, Bill. Nah, I am all in on uh, Big Bill as a name. This shit is cool. <laughs> and, um, I'll warm up to it, I guess. It gives me cowboy vibes though, like Buffalo Bill. Like, Look, again, <laughs> as somebody named William. William is a very versatile name, right? There are multiple nicknames for William. There's Will, there's Willie, there's Bill, there's Billy, there's Liam. People forget that Liam was originally short for William. It's the last four letters of William. Yeah, it's the last four letters of William. Um, but eventually, um, it's been adopted as its own name, but Liam is originally the last four letters of William. Um, and I didn't know uh, that. So it's a very versatile name. Lots you can do with it. Uh, so I recognize p- various people adopt various different names for it. Nah, Big Bill's dope. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh, so that's whatever. But he, of course, gets... Uh, uh, so outcome uh, Lee Moriarty and Big Bill to jump Jungle Boy. And he is saved by an unlikely ally hook are you kidding me and the crowd loses it for hook's music yes and the crowd goes nuts when they shake hands and i looked at the two of them and went how did i never put this together how did i never think of hook and jungle (laughs) boy or as they have now been dubbed by the internet 
the jungle hook and uh <laughs> look these are like two good looking young dudes yeah who have kind of that same boyish appeal how i never even imagined these two together but as soon as they shook hands i thought damn this is right this is it i'm so into it i <laughs> i never thought of it either i'm still stuck on hookhausen Mm -hmm. I've been waiting for Hookhausen to return, but this is so interesting. I I want more Hook, and I'm glad that he's, you know, being put in with Jungle Boy. He's probably going to be on TV more. He's going to be doing more. I'm excited for Hook, and I think 2023 for Hook and for Jungle Boy is going to be super interesting. Um, they wrestle so differently, too. So yes. I'm I'm really cool to see if they do, you know, a tag team thing, what they can put together for, you know, double team offense i'm so into it i can't they're wait to buy a shirt <laughs> they're talking about in the chat um i mean yeah I, I, look i'm all for wrestlers being sponsored by things um mm -hmm. as denise mentioned the other week uh that might have been on um for those of you who watch us on after the week youtube.com slash denise salcedo um we talked about how uh never had jimmy johns before seeing it on brock lesnar's tights so what i'm saying here is that Sponsoring wrestlers is a very good thing. And if Head and Shoulders was in for some kind of uh, wrestler deal, those are the two guys to go for. That's true. They got great hair. <laughs> Both of them. It's crazy. But Jungle Boy, it's just good genes. His whole family, they all have great hair. He's just blessed. So I've been at a million events, of course, where Jungle Boy's family is also there. And I can always tell... Because I look down and I'm like, oh, there they are. Mom and sister right there. There's the hair. I see it. Soon as they make their way down. So uh, great stuff. So, yeah, I, I again, the crowd made this a moment. It was very cool. Um, there was a quick squash. House of Black destroyed the factory. Love House of Black. I. So does the I'm crowd. So glad, <laughs> I, I'm so glad House of Black is back. Um, and I love, I love Julia Hart having a bigger role in the house of black. She's the one who did the mist, uh, on dynamite. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love them getting squash matches. I don't want to see them do like 30 squash matches waiting for presumably for the trios titles to go for the trios titles. Well, but, the good news is we only have a couple more, like they yeah. could do two more of these and I yeah. think it's fine. Maybe even three because we only have three more trios matches left. I think they can get by doing this until they finally show up and kick the heads off of um, whoever is like, I think a really cool spot to me, if I were booking this free ideas uh, would be some kind of elaborate spot where obviously the a whole bunch of shenanigans have happened in the ladder match. And at the end of it, uh, we have, the final spot sees three ladders set up side by side and the three members of the elite retrieve the three belts. The three of them are standing at the top of the ladders. All is good. Then lights go out. They come back on and opposing them on the other sides of the ladders are all three members of house of black who just like knock them off the ladders and then stand above them. Show goes off the air. That's how I would do that shit in LA. Um, yeah, that's a great visual. <laughs> I would love that. Like, yeah, that would be my visual. That's what I would go for. And then 
spend the next couple of months doing singles matches between all combinations because honestly, I just want to see Buddy Matthews versus Nick Jackson. I know everybody else is like, nah, we want Buddy Matthews versus Kenny and we want uh, Malachi versus Kenny. Nah, give me Nick Jackson and Buddy Matthews. That's the one. Nick, everybody forgets Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. That was like a match of the year contender. He's a good singles wrestler. He's underrated. Uh, Honestly, you know, there is a weird thing, though. Has Matt Jackson had an AEW singles match? I don't think he has, right? I don't think he has. Well, I mean, if you count the Nick Jackson versus Matt Jackson on BTE. I don't. <laughs> but, uh, that's a BTE canon. That's technically, yeah, I don't think he has either. Um, he's had singles performances because they had the, uh, what was it? The tag team battle royal where Nick yeah, got eliminated. Yeah. Nick was eliminated early and Matt had to win it on his own and he did. But uh, what match did Matt Jackson have? Because everybody's saying he had one. What was the one? Oh, I, don't I know. Remember. I know Nick's had a few. Nick faced um, Brian Danielson, um, and Nick's faced Ray Phoenix. I don't recall Matt versus Ray Phoenix. Me either. But maybe I'm wrong. Um, let's see. Matt Jackson singles matches. I'm just gonna look up Matt Jackson. Correct me if I'm wrong, chat. But I don't recall a singles match a uh, whole bunch of young buck stuff uh did i say nick because obviously i wouldn't admit nick because i know nick's had multiple um but let me see ray phoenix beat ray phoenix beat matt jackson uh, oh yeah what? on uh, a pandemic dynamite pandemic dynamite okay yeah you are correct uh that was march 10th ha okay Memory failed me once. Uh, yeah, March 10th, 2021. That's the one. Um, I've been trying to recall because, yeah, Nick has, you know, everybody always calls him singles match Nick. But Matt hadn't had, that's the one, is uh, March 10th against Ray Phoenix. Go figure, Ray Phoenix has had both of the singles matches with the Young Bucks. Um, Nick hasn't. Yeah, all right, March 10th. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's why I asked. And that was a live one, too. Because uh, back then, every other Dynamite was live. Feels like uh, a lifetime ago. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I will say, all of the pandemic era stuff blends to me all together. Well, yeah. Because part of how I'm able to remember certain things is that I can associate it with the city. Like, you tell me what's, uh, like, if I can think of the city it took place in, I'm like, okay... Uh, I can always associate that with the type of crowd they had and certain things the crowd did. And if I can do that, then I can usually remember what took place on that show. But Jacksonville all runs together. (laughs) And so that's just all one big blur. So I I can like pull little things out of the air from Jacksonville, but God, all of it just, it all blends together. All I remember is Austin Gunn screaming all the time. That's all Mm -hmm. I remember from the pandemic era. Oh Just yeah. Yep, that was uh yeah, he, he. <laughs> Yes. Um and hey, that that Ray Phoenix versus Matt Jackson match got four and a half stars from Meltzer. <laughs> okay, I might have to like try and refine that. Uh cause that sounds like Oh! I'm remembering this dynamite. And I remember why I don't remember this show. Okay, okay. Now it's starting to click with me. Uh, <laughs> okay, 
I was at a friend's house during this one. So, like, I never saw that match live when it aired. And, like, I tried to put this show on, like, in the background. But, obviously, people around me were like, hey, they're not trying to watch wrestling right now. Um, so, okay. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, and I remember it because it was the... Uh, it was the Wednesday after that year's um, re- revolution. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so there's that. Okay. Uh, anyway. So the big thing of the night, or one of the big things that people weren't expecting to be a big thing, was Chris Jericho, Action Andretti. Andretti already in the ring. We were thinking, okay, here we go. Uh, and Caden says, uh, I was in person for that show in Jacksonville and don't remember. I mean, again, the Jacksonville shows, it's all one blur. Um, I only got to go to one Jacksonville show, two, technically, because I went to Double or Nothing. But that held all the fans back. But as far as yeah. like the, the spacing shows, I went to one. Um, but yeah, it was uh, Jericho and Andretti. And... The crowd giving it to Jericho initially, they were chanting, you tapped out at him because he did tap out uh, at the, uh, to the, the big swing. Mm-hmm. But then they start chanting, let's go jobber. And, and he went. <laughs> and it, well, the funny thing was, I think the crowd was anticipating maybe like in an ironic way, giving it to Chris Jericho. But all of a sudden it turned into something else completely when jericho hit the code breaker right before the commercial break and you kind of got this feeling of okay fun's over and then he kicked out and the crowd suddenly went like something's happening here and they were suddenly way into this and for the next couple minutes they came back from break jericho gave andretti a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot and then he gave him a win. I was so surprised. I thought it was going to be a situation, like it's a tryout. He's going to get a lot of offense, and then Jericho's just going to, you know, put him down, whatever. But he ducked the Judas effect, and then I was like, oh, he's winning. This kid is going to win this on Dynamite against Chris Jericho. (laughs) When you hit that running shooting star, I thought, okay, Jericho's going to kick out. And it was one, two, three, and I'm like, Oh shit! What happened here? So crazy. Yeah, I lost it. This was a moment, a moment that I don't even think he probably anticipated getting because I think you know, obviously, it's wrestling. You knew you're gonna win. That's all fine and good. But the part I don't think anybody anticipated here was how into it the crowd was going to be, and because the crowd was so into it, it made this a, uh, it made this a real moment. And that's the difference that a crowd makes here. And I was just in love with this. And this was so great. The pop he got, that was, listen, that was, that was loud. The crowd was so surprised. They were so into it. And like, he's going to remember that pop for the rest of his career, because that was insane. I couldn't even remember his name. I, (laughs) The, I I mean I probably have seen him wrestle before, but I've no I couldn't remember his name, and I'm like this kid, he has something really special, and I'm I was so excited by it, and I've been checking his Twitter followers, just going up by thousands like every hour. I'm just 
this AW, this was a big risk and they really trusted the crowd uh-huh. and the crowd really pulled through for that. Thank God. And Jericho really putting over the jobber. Yes. This could have gone south real fast, but it, it's now it's like an all time moment. Absolutely. And Jericho finding ways because you could tell how much he secretly you could see a slight smirk on his face every time the crowd does the Ocho thing and uh, him finding ways to work it into matches now, whether it's the crap, whether it's making sure we have a, a countdown spot in the match, a, a count out, all of that. Uh, and yeah, this is good for him. This was a really yeah. cool moment. He got his all elite graphic afterward and I hope, uh, I hope they do something cool with him. Like you, you don't even have to put him into something major. Just get him on TV and keep him on TV. Like let mm-hmm. fans get to know him. And they have so many young stars who they're just signing. Like, like top flight is just now back because Darius has been injured and everything. And I, w- I want to see more top flight. I want to see more private party. I want to see all these young guys. So I'm Agreed. super excited about it. We had, there was a segment that saw the acclaimed, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, with their brand new shiny belts, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Ron Edwardson, who does those belts. Um, they they debuted those last week uh, because the old belts have been over two years old. Usually you want to refresh those a lot more. The world title has been refreshed a bunch. Um, actually, the... Uh, slight note the um the world title at one point earlier this year they were just using one of the shop AEW replicas uh for a while while they had the belt being retooled and re and, and fixed up um even the women's title they're already on the second iteration of the current women's title the one brit had was a different belt but those tag belts they've had those since ftr won them uh and those belts have been passed around those were beaten to shit and they finally got brand new shiny belts. They look great. Uh, and but the acclaimed partway through Max Caster's rap get jumped by Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Satnam Singh. Crowd does not like this, Mm-mm. but they're not supposed to. So they got heat. And Max Caster tweeted today that he's got a rap prepared for Jeff. I'm excited. It better be good. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, this is whatever. Uh, I'm hoping this is just like a stopgap feud for the acclaimed. Move on to something bigger and better. Don't know. I hope it's done fast. I just don't that you know the FTR match was so good, and Mm -hmm. I think the acclaimed have kind of moved beyond this Jeff Jarrett group. This yes. random, you know, mishmash of wrestlers. Um, I am excited to see Jeff Jarrett get publicly embarrassed, though. I will say that. So I hope it's over very fast and we can move on. And, you know, the acclaimed versus literally anybody else. Um, You know what, though? I kind of want to see the acclaimed lose the belts to hear me out here. It's the ultimate payoff to everything. The ass boys. I think if those two get have a good performance against FTR and beat them, and I kind of think they will, I would, I wouldn't mind them kind of getting one over on their dad who is no longer in their corner. 
kind of thing. Because then you can go back and revisit the FTR stuff and have FTR beat them for the belts. Like I feel like there's there's ways to get there. But uh, I'm sorry. I know the chat's like, no, Will, no. Look, guys. That is revolting. <laughs> they're a good team. They are. Like, I, I don't know what else to say, but I think that uh, I actually believe Colton and Austin are actually good as a team. They have come through as wrestlers. They've been working really hard. I'll give them that. Like, they've been training a lot to get better. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're ready, but at the same time, I didn't think the acclaims were ready. And they clearly were. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I would mind it as long as the, you know, the next step, that payoff is there. The chat really hates this. They really hate it. Um, in my mind, I'm thinking like Butcher and the Blade, like this, you know, rough and tumble, just like mean, dark team against like the bright and bubbly acclaim. That would be fun. But, oh, I don't think there's a single gun uh, gun club fan in this chat. I think. Like at least some people are willing to say. That. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look. The fact is they actually are good performers in the ring. I just think they are. I think there is a hateable charisma about them. And uh, I think you guys are somewhat displaying it in a way. I know they're, that you'll probably be saying, no, 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 I don't like them because they suck. It's not heat. I hate them because they suck. But like the thing is, I think they do have good douchebag heat. And Caden says, I'm sorry, Will. They stink. Not a fan. I don't know. I, I think... And the thing is, a lot of other wrestlers do too. A lot of guys who work with them feel like uh, these guys have something about them. A lot of guys feel it. FTR really likes them as performers. Yeah. And I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, you put that out there and now you're going to be the gun club guy. <laughs> I'm not a gun club guy. I'm just saying that I think there might be something there. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, also on the show, we saw Ruby Soho take on Ty Mello. I thought this would be the end of this. Because uh, this match was really just centered around Ruby getting her revenge on Ty for breaking her face. And uh, that was a lot of the match. Ty trying to get away from Ruby, Ruby kicking her ass, um, Ruby planting her on the, uh, and and Ty going for the face again. That was a lot of what we saw in this match. And, uh, but ultimately, even when Ruby went for and hit no future on Ty, they really emphasized that she um, planted her face on the mat as the ultimate revenge. What did you think of the match? I thought the match was okay. I think... Ruby Soho is a great talent. And I do like the AW when someone gets injured, they come back and they get their revenge. They did with Hangman. Um, I just don't think, and maybe this is just the way I watch wrestling. I don't know. I just don't think Ruby Soho and Ty Mello mesh well in the ring. I think there's a lot of moments where it's like, they're just, there's miscommunications and it's just kind of like, it's a little rough around the edges. And I, I've seen Ty Mello be a great wrestler. 
And I've seen Ruby Soho be a great wrestler. So I don't know what the issue there is. Um, I just, I don't think this feud needs to continue. I would like to see Ruby Soho do something better. Maybe something a little more uh, personal to her, a little more entertaining. Uh, but then again, I also think Ty Mello uh, and Anna Jay, <laughs> they, they need something because I feel like they're getting lost in the Jericho shuffle. Oh yeah, a lot, the way that Santana and Ortiz did. Um, so I'd like to see them do something else. But this match, it was okay. Like I don't think it was bad. I think it was good. Um, I would have liked to have a different match here, though. If I'm being honest, I think the women's division, this like one match, a dynamite, you know, just a, some promos to continue feuds that we're going to get a match for in a few weeks. I th- I think we're a little past that, but. I don't know. What 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 do I know? Maybe there's some cool story planned with Ruby Soho and Ty Mello, and I'm going to be... Well, like they seem to transition it to Anna Jay and Ruby Soho, yeah. so we'll uh, see, I guess, what's happening there. The other thing is, um, Johnny T, I agree, disagree with that in the chat. Um, I actually think that uh, the idea that the women's division is weak, I disagree with that entirely. I think mm-hmm. that for the first time, there's multiple things happening throughout the division that involve multiple people um it it would be uh great to have it play out in a way where i agree where more of it gets displayed per show because like when you look at it there's a program happening right now between ruby soho and um and now i guess uh ty j is still the team uh you also have athena has been doing everything she's been doing to build up to her winning the ring of honor women's world championship, but that's all been playing out on AEW programming and on AEW TV at that. Um, You also have Jade Cargill wasn't even on the show at all this week, but she was last week and she clearly has something brewing with, um, well, bow wow, but also (laughs) for people who didn't catch it, you know, she raised the belt up and red velvet kind of gave a glance over at it. Like she's kind of sick of her shit. So there's that going as well. Um, and then, oh, and Chi-Town Spurs, uh, mentioned this is leading to a street fight with, uh, Ty J versus Ruby and Willow. I can see that also. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, up on FightfulSelect.com for tier two subscribers at the moment, but I, as well as my co-host from Grapsity, Righteous Reg and Philip Lindsay, had an interview with, uh, Willow Nightingale. We just had her on the show this week. It's already up for tier two subscribers. It'll be up tomorrow for everybody else. Um, some cool stuff in that interview. Uh, I would say it's a infectious interview. She has such a great energy. And um, even talking about like the downtimes that she's had, it's just like, wow, this is just great. Um, and so either way, uh, I can absolutely see that happening. The... Uh, and then what else is going on in the division? Then there's also, uh, you have Sheeta challenging for the women's title, but then also in the background, you've got um, Soraya, who has a partner on the way for Britt Baker. I'd say mm-hmm. right now, when I look at the women's division, there's more happening in the women's division across the board. It's not just title programs right now. That Literally, there's just stuff happening in the division. There's more happening in it than there's ever been in AEW's history. And that's what we've yeah. all wanted to see. And so I disagree with the statement that it's weak. Um, I think, do we want to see more? Of course we want to see more. But um, t- 
to me right now, it's not even the weakest division on TV right now. Um, and, uh, that, that I know might be a harsh statement to some, but that's, uh, somewhat how I see it. Uh, Ryan says big issue is there aren't women in face stables for them to feud, um, which is, uh, the IC and JS specialty. I think it's only Statlander who is in all of AEW. I mean, I, I think at some point you probably could start to build a babyface women's faction um, that hasn't been done in AEW before. And again, the other thing too is we're also talking about a lot of rumors. If Sasha shows up and you have all of that happening, holy shit, uh, that's, yeah. that's a division. That's a really, really solid division that you could start to build some stuff with. And uh, again, I like that it's a lot of it is happening without um, a title nearby. Uh, that's, that's good stuff. And that's stuff we've wanted to see. Yeah. And the promos and the video packages being on dynamite and not like a side thing on rampage or on dark or dark elevation that shows to me that now there's confidence in the women's division. And I think fans are confident in it. I think people backstage in AW are confident in it. Um, I think it's undeniable that the women worked really hard to get here. So oh, yeah. I don't think it's weak at all. And I love to see talent like sky blue really, you know, punching hard and going after Britt Baker and trying to work her way up in the division um, instead of just sitting there on dark and dark elevation and doing all these things, which are great. But um, I don't know. I'd like to see movement there. And I like that that's on dynamite. Agreed. Finally, in the main event, AEW world title on the line, Ricky Starks one-on-one with the AEW world champion still feels weird even saying that Maxwell <laughs> Jacob Friedman MJF but the belt looks right on him I'll say that it, it looks right so uh who am I to say one way or the other it's weird because all the photoshops over the years that have put the belt on him I'm like I don't know and then you finally see him on see it oh that's true I'll talk about that first thank you chat we also had a backstage promo it's really good hangman Adam Page uh was asked about basically being cleared now granted there's a little piece of me that's like well hangman if you weren't clear could you fly into tv i don't know um but uh i mean in a clear in a way where they're saying now we know he's had brawls on tv he's clear they wouldn't allow that Mm -hmm. uh but as far as the story they're telling uh, he so talks good. about how he came to, uh, and he was asked all these questions, and he was able to answer them uh, mm-hmm. just fine. And then he said he looked down at his phone, which had a whole bunch of missed texts, uh, and they said, oh, cute kid, what's his name? And for an hour, he couldn't remember his son's name. <sighs> that was a deep cut. That was like yeah. a, a stab in the heart. I felt that and he talked about that being hell and he's been to hell. And if he's, if John Moxley wants to take him back to that hell, he's taking him with him. And I thought, damn, you know, I posted a trivia question earlier today. I put up a picture of four wrestlers and I said, what do these four have in common? Um, Got a whole bunch of answers, but the answer to that question folks is that those are the four people in AEW who have pinned John Moxley, the only four. The reason I came up with that question is because, I think Hangman's about to be the fifth. I think so. I think he's going to beat John Moxley. I think 
he's set up in a way where there's no title on the line. Like Moxley's been champion for a lot of his run in AEW. So I think that in a lot of ways, he uh, he feels, you know, he was protected. But I think now with no title in place and Hangman needing to get a big victory like that, because I think Hangman was going to beat John Moxley earlier this year um, when Moxley was supposed to win that uh, number one contenders tournament before mm-hmm. he had to go into rehab. So Hangman would have eventually gotten a victory over Moxley. Um, I think he's going to beat him. I think he's going to walk so away too. with the victory. I think they're, they're being so smart with this baby face versus baby face feud because, you know, John Moxley all the time, people say he's the heart of AEW, which is true in a lot of ways. I think if there's no John Moxley, I don't know what AEW looks like today. Right. Um, but they're really playing into like the humanity of Hangman to be to, you know, bring him up to that level. Like this is the sympathetic guy. This is someone fans have watched struggle through the worst times in his life. You know, the anxious millennial cowboy thing. Um, and I think there's just so much story here that it's almost like you don't want to cheer for someone because then you're not going to ha- be able to cheer for the other guy. So it's just, it's such an emotional feud. And this is something that AEW does really well, especially when it comes to Hangman, is like getting fans to just feel for him just and want want to comfort him and want him to see him in all the ways. This wasn't even intentional, right? Like this isn't one of those things where, oh, let's plan for Hangman to have a concussion and all that. No, but he worked around it so well and worked it into the story so well. This was great, great shit. Really a big fan. Now let's talk about the main event. Uh, Ricky Starks versus MJF. This was good. Yeah. Not much more to say about it. It was a good match. Um, yeah. The action was good. The crowd was into it. The crowd was behind Ricky Starks. MJF knows how to get heat. He knows how to work. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that this was a great first showcase for the two of them. Um, and a great first like true main event for Ricky Starks. Uh challenging for the title having believable comebacks the way he landed that spear on mjf um but couldn't get to the pin in time that was all great main event level stuff mjf of course won with the low blow uh and he cheated what did you think of the match i liked it um you know there were some moments that were you know a little a little clunky, I guess. There were some um, clunky moments, which is to be expected. Like it's a big, it's a big match. There's a lot of hype. Um, I can excuse that. I thought it was a good match. Um, I like Ricky being so close, but not quite there, because uh, he's exactly the type of guy who's going to take that so personally. And I'm excited to see where he goes with it. MJF cheating, of course. He's MJF. He's going to cheat. It just makes it so much more better when someone beats him and he doesn't get the opportunity opportunity to cheat. Um, I really liked this for Ricky, this whole program with MJF, the promos, you know, the videos. um, This has done more for Ricky than anything he's done, I think. Um, And I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. And I'm excited for MJF uh, Danielson. I don't know how they're going to stretch that to revolution. I don't know. Actually, you know what? I got excited about this. So, yeah, after the match was over. Brian Danielson makes his way out, chases down MJF. MJF is in the crowd holding the title. Brian is standing in the ring. He makes sure to give Ricky Starks his props. They play Ricky Starks music to go off. Do you remember Revolution 2020? 
Yes. Main event, Chris Jericho, John Moxley. Do you remember when that feud got started? The first At, time the two of them had a confrontation. The a double or nothing. The first double or nothing when Moxley debuted. Okay. <laughs> Let, let's narrow this down. Specifically when Moxley decided it was time to go after the title. Yeah, it was the end the end of 2019 because he came out of the Omega thing, wasn't it? Um, right. The specific yeah. night it was was the Thanksgiving Dynamite um in Chicago after Jericho beat Scorpio Sky as yes. as Jericho was celebrating Moxley's music hits and he stares down with Jericho from the crowd. That went on from November till Literally revolution <laughs> happened. And so I believe they can do this. I believe the time exists for them to do it. This is still less time than that one because this one's only getting started in December. Uh, so this they've done it before. Also last year, um, CM Punk and MJF started the week after uh, Full Gear last year and went all the way to revolution and they kept it going that entire time. So I do think that these two can, as long as they have a compelling program behind them, they can do something with this. And I think they should. That's true. Um, I think MJF running from Danielson and doing everything he can to avoid it. I think that'd be really entertaining. I think it would be really good um, TV and now that you bring that up, okay, they can stretch it to revolution. <laughs> yeah. It's just March. And like January is basically, you know, that's a right the quarter. Yeah. trading back and forth. That's basically a write-off of a month. We don't even need to count that. So basically mm -hmm. it's just February. So they could do yeah, it. They can pull okay, it off. It's the, it. it's, the it. it's the first week of March. Yeah, they can pull this <laughs> off. So uh I'm I'm in on this. And then yeah, we have a uh the other thing that was mentioned which people wouldn't stop filling up my mentions with uh, this week was Swerve had a promo. And one of the lines in the promo was he said, I have no friends or family in this business. And people are like, ooh, tough shot. Guys, <laughs> I'm not in the business. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's not what that meant. Um, that is, uh, I at best, wrestling business adjacent. But... Come on. Now, of course, Swerve's got some people to debut next week. Or person. Or who knows what it's going to be. Somebody is in his corner. Who is it? You should have to wait till next Wednesday to find out. Yeah. But he said next week. Uh, so, it's that time of the show, folks. Let's talk about some ratings. This week's show did very well. Uh, 950,000 on the total viewership, so back up, and a .33 rating, um, which is the, uh, that's, that's good enough for number three on cable, that came right behind two NBA games, I did watch one of those NBA games, um, and let's see, so that's up 13% in total viewership from last week, and 13% from in 18 to 49, it's a good rating. That is really good. I'm surprised. Uh, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't be surprised because I mean, it's the middle of December. What else are people doing? But 
I'm, I wonder, there's something special about winter is coming that people really like. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Cause for me, it's like, okay, it's a special, I don't know. Yeah. Really it's like it's done really coming. well for them. And yeah, the show did good. Uh, it's pretty much up in every single metric, uh, particularly in 18 to 34, it actually matched raw this week. Uh, but it's, that's, it's just a good number for them all around. So, uh, everything's up, uh, for this show. And I feel like that is a good indicator for Ricky Starks and MJF to me. Yes. I think I one, agree. I think one that should kind of dead the narrative that the trios was killing things. I think that the trio stuff was consistent with the way a lot of main events were playing out. As a matter of fact, hey guys, uh, for the people who are like, oh, you know, the trios division is killing things. Trios match the main event from two weeks ago did a better rating than the main event from last week, which was FTR versus the Acclaim. So uh, you either have to rest on the fact that um, there's something driving main, event, main events down mm -hmm. or... Young Bucks are a bigger draw than FTR. You, one of those two things you'd have to accept if the ratings themselves are an indicator of somebody being a draw. I don't think they are. Uh, I, but that's why it just somewhat... Um, it, it, it does... I don't, I'm not a believer that the trio's division in itself um, is, has any indicators for it one way or the other. It just hasn't. Um, it's been fairly consistent with other things. I think there are certain outliers that have given um, main events the jump, and I'm pretty sure this week the main event probably is going to show some good numbers. I'm going to ask around AEW or wait for Brandon Thurston to get some quarter hours. Um, somebody will give them to me, I'm sure, but because uh, I'm curious to see how that all did. But either way, ratings, they're always fun. Kylie, anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Fuller underscore Kylie. Um, I do just random shows like this all the time. So you have to follow me to see those. You could see me on Fightful Overbooked every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern for Tag Talk. We talk about tag team wrestling, you know, all the fun stuff going on. We talk about FTR a lot on that show. So if you want to hear more about that, uh, Tag Talk. Um, I'm also doing romanticized wrestling. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of ROH stuff on there. Uh, so you could follow that on Facebook at Romantic Wrestle. Um, basically just stories and wrestling, just having fun, vibing, just trying not to be negative about wrestling um, and just having fun. So that's what I'm into. Easiest thing we can do. Otherwise, folks, that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. Thanks for sticking here with us. I know no Robo will. I was waiting for it. Didn't happen. Uh, but for Kylie Fuller, I'm Will Washington. We'll see you next time. Have a great day. Peace.